All right, now we're live on to the thing. <laughs> nice nice clearing of the throat. Thanks. Do you want to wear the headphones to make it look like we can hear ourselves? Or no? You don't have to. I can just I can just hear. I can pretend like I'm, uh, I'm liking where I'm at right now. Okay, cool. Let me um You can keep them on. I feel like that's you. <laughs> that's you. Yeah, go ahead and pull up the the drive. Okay. <laughs> teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. Um Google Drive. <laughs> Not all oh, caps. caps. No. <laughs> Google Drive. I need to get there now. Google really could have hopped onto Uber and made Google Drive like a. Oh thing. man, no, they <laughs> they really could have. Oh, oh. Okay, it's kind of fun just watching like the mic levels go up and down on this thing. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. So how's your day, man? It's good. I feel like I lost a lot of hours just sitting. I, um, <laughs> no, actually, like, I went home just because I told myself if I study in Tompkins again, I'm just not going to get anything done. If you study for what? I was If I study in Tompkins, like, nothing's going to happen. Oh, dude, no. It's, you go there to make yourself feel better, not yeah. to actually study. Because then you surround yourself by people who are, like, actually doing what they should be, and you're like, hey, I'm blending in. <laughs> I'm doing okay. So I went home and just, like, sat down for, like, an hour. And I was like, I was like, I have some money I can kill, so I like bought like a mystery like, gym short like box. It was like twenty five bucks. Gym shark. Gym shorts. Gym shorts. Okay. <laughs> like, we'll send you a mystery pair of gym shorts. <laughs> might be used. Might be soiled. I'm like, Could okay. be used with multiple people. Any good mystery. <laughs> when does that come in before Christmas? I hope it's like it's been <laughs> shipped, but the um label can't be found. They're like we haven't made it yet, but it's been shipped. <laughs> good. Do you guys have um Amazon Locker at your uh? Um, no, we have apartment. a farm fresh though. Like it's like it's near you. Let me like face you. I shouldn't be like. I guess I can talk to you like this. I just <laughs> I can like. I, <laughs> I, like, I can like, like kiss the mic. For context, this dude just came in here because we were having audio issues. Um, also, I'm just gonna out myself right now. Um, I can't hear anything real time through these headphones i'm just doing it for looks brad said it, it's me so i take that as a compliment i appreciate that but this dude comes in here and i'm just asking him like hey can you uh can you help me out with my sound it's something's messed up it's my first time in the studio i obviously don't know what i'm doing this dude th- decks the mic he's like that wasn't supposed to be attached like that this expensive i don't even know how much is he's mic punching worth. this poor condenser mic like it's it's not dynamic for a reason no. like it's meant to be put in a cradle <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. We're it's cradled. It's, it's, it's hanging, hanging in a very gently. Right like, this is a small baby. He just punched it. And then it fell to the ground. He's like, oh, whatever. And then he started playing Hippie Sabotage, like, on the computer for no reason. I don't like undergrad. Yeah. I love I love VCU undergrad. This is where we're recording. Thanks, VCU undergrad, for the audio studio. Um, I need to get my mic placement better. This thing is, like, <laughs> I've, I've got to, like, uh, I think that's good. Okay. Um, hold on a second. I kind of want to listen to the playback. Yeah, go second. ahead. Yeah, let me pause it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long episodes are going to be. There shouldn't be a max. I think I've got like unlimited storage space with this right. stuff. Um, but um, let's just jump into it. Um, I sounded like Philip DeFranco. Let's just jump right into it. I love this show, dude. <laughs> it's so good, dude. I really do. It's a good time. Did um, you close out that Google Doc after we worked so hard to bring I? it back up? I did not. Wait. I hold think on. you did. Checked out history. Wow, no, hippie sabotage is here, but not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> How come? <laughs> that, should, that should actually be the background music for your podcast. <laughs> that might be the first song. Hippie sabotage, devil eyes. This is to you, 
random audio man that didn't know what he was doing. All right, so I'm going to record the background later, mm-hmm. um, but we will just start with the basics. Hello, Brad. How are you? Hi, David. Hey, Awkward nice handshake. to meet you. I'm trying to get this mic situation. Hold my hand. Keep holding my I'm hand. I'm here with you. you got a firm grip. Thank you. It's a good handshake. I grab things. <laughs> you like to lift things. Yeah. All right, so um, yeah, who are you, man? I've never, I don't know who you are at all. That's my first question. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Bradley Long, uh, P1, pharmacy school, originally from Maryland. What does the P stand for? Uh, pharmacy, I think. Okay. Does I it? mean, <laughs> the audience won't necessarily, hopefully won't necessarily just be pharmacy students. I really <laughs> think it's just going to be pharmacy students like Ben and like three other people. It'll just be Ben. <laughs> it'll, just, it'll just be our classmates, and then everyone else is like, screw them. No, but like, <laughs> ideally, I want it to be for like, the average, the average man or woman or whatever else you would just gonna be as. Ben. It's gonna be Ben. Um, cool. So you're P one. Um, what are you into? Uh, really into pharmacy, which is why I'm going to pharmacy school. Um, outside of that, really just I like to go to the gym a lot. I'm a competitive powerlifter. What is? I don't even know what powerlifting is exactly. So it's just like lifting heavy weights in like three different styles and. Whoever lifts most weight is like the best, and it's like, wow, that's wow. really cool. Wow, that person's the best. Yeah, at so, you, <laughs> so you spend a lot of money to be like the best guy out there, but like you're not the best guy. You're just you good suck. at lifting things. It's still fun though. You're, you're just an efficient like forklift. <laughs> that's, that's all yeah. you are. <laughs> <laughs> if I need if I need help moving furniture, I'm gonna like brag. In a select pose, yeah, I can move furniture as long as it's, atta- it's attached to a bar. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah, no, everything <laughs> else I'm horrible at. <laughs> Nothing else. Done. Only, thing, only bar. Like, if you need me to carry a lamp, I'm all on that. Is that what pile lifting is though? Like bar weights or power lifting? Power lifting. Oh, are you called? I thought you said pile. No, no, pile would be very efficient for carrying furniture though. No power. Okay. What's the difference between the two? I'm so confused. There is no such thing as pile lifting. I just can't hear anything with these headphones <laughs> that don't even work. Okay, let's move on. Right. <laughs> I guess like um. So what led you to pharmacy? I was just um. I always wanted to be in the medical field, but I knew I'd never want to be in surgery or something that, like, wet lab based just because I was always, like, a really squeamish kid. Wet lab as in, like... Wet lab is just, like, working, like, intensively, like, like taking blood or uh, performing operations for surgeries. Gotcha. So it was always just, I saw, like, myself in medicine, but I didn't figure out, when, like, where until I was at a pharmacy with my mom. I was, like, six. I saw like the people. No peop- way, yeah. six. I saw like the people like behind the glass wearing the white coats. I was like, "Mom, what's that?" She's like, "Those are called pharmacists." I was like, "I want to be that." <laughs> so like my grandmother, who was like, "Oh my god, money!" Like heard that. She's like, "All right, well, he's gonna be a pharmacist." So they always <laughs> just like push that on me, but like it was something I wanted to do. So I guess like later on, I just really appreciated just what a pharmacist does, what the role is in the medical field, and it's just it stuck with me. Cool. So know. so you initially chose it because you're like, ooh, pretty glass. I saw people, people behind a glass and I thought, yep, that's me. I don't know what I want to be in a glass box all day with a I feel in a glass box. <laughs> I'm in a glass box of emotions. That's, all. <laughs> that's I mean it's a it's a good it's a good segue, I think, yeah. to the to the topic we're gonna talk about today. <laughs> which is um let's say let's say um it'll be mental health. Um I don't know I mean I know it's like a very broad stroke, mental health, mm-hmm. but I don't like when I talk about it, I don't know how, like, I don't know. Whenever I discuss it with people, I don't know how comfortable they are talking about it. I don't right. know if they want specifics, like, thrown out there, like, oh, I'm depressed, anxious. Usually it's all, like, a conglomeration mm. of things. Um, in the glass box. <laughs> Trying to tie it back to that. Um, before we move on to that, though, what, um, why did you choose pharmacy? So you said later on in life you decided to do that, but 
your parents said money. You said your mom was like just supportive of you. Yeah, no, my my mom. So I live with my mom and my grandmother live, lives too. So it's been a very like small supportive family. And um, it was my mom just always made as many opportunities for me as she could, and just really just held me up to always reach those goals, always support me so I could. So pharmacy just stuck with me, and I don't know. I liked I just liked the sound of it, and then. I like the idea of talking to patients and counseling and being like the person that connects doctors and patients together. And, you know, I'm from a small town where people don't really trust doctors, but everyone trusts the pharmacist because you don't have to pay money to talk to a pharmacist. Well, hopefully that changes. But I mean, like, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I told my mom, dude, I pitched. I was like, mom, guess what? You might have to pay uh, to visit your pharmacist Be horrible. for counseling. And she's like, you guys aren't doctors. I was like, mom. You said I was going to be a doctor. You said, I, mean, I can't wait for my little doctor to grow up. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate what that would do for pharmacists, but I'm terrified at the thought of that just because, like... Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it'd be great for the field, but just, I don't know. Consultations are, like, the biggest thing that, like, brought patients to, like, Walgreens to, like, talk to someone because you don't have to get, pay, like, five bucks after you ask, like, hey, can I take this with fish? Yeah, no, and exactly. And, like, so if we already have a problem with patients, like, consulting WebMD and things like that, pushing for compensation... And having a patient charged for our advice is only going to make them more willing to go to the internet rather than go to their pharmacist. You lose, I think. you lose trust in the provider. Well, and it shouldn't be a loss of trust. And I think it'll just be a slow change. I think it'll be like, just like doctors. I mean, because they establish like you always, you pay to go see the doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. That's another episode. Our episode is about the glass box of mental health and how it's. Yeah, I I can't even think of a good analogy. Let's just go into it. So recently, I mean, I mainly started, I wanted to start this mental health series because I did see, because of my own experiences, which I'll cover in another episode, but because I saw your your cool little Insta post that everybody in our school seems to really resonate with. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to just kind of talk to you more about that and kind of give people who are listening a little summary of it. So could you just give like a quick summary of what exactly like your posts have been just for anybody who might not just be Ben <laughs> listening to this. So I, um, I, I go on a lot of rants on my social media, like be it Snapchat or uh, Instagram, like nothing, nothing charged, just like things I think people would appreciate. I never try to put like stuff out there that it's just for my own benefit. Well, so, and, and I mean like, it's not like political rants or anything. No, it's no, not I, like, I, I think these people, so it's always, it's always much of it's what I've appreciated. It's a lot of self-reflection, mm-hmm. and it's insightful, and it's not only beneficial to you because you're kind of getting it off your chest and kind of like telling it to a wider audience, but because you're also relating to a lot of people that right. I think not a lot of people are talking about, which is why we're doing this. Um, so I just I go on. I always like post like little things like that, but on I felt like people on Snapchat like I've already like talked personally to, but I don't really have any people there like that I can, you know, rant to. When you put something on social media, you kind of want everyone to see it. That's the whole point of the social part. So I thought, oh, well, you know, I have a lot of people following me on Instagram. I don't talk to a lot of those people, but maybe they can at least watch my story. Instagram stories were always weird for me. Dude, same. Yeah. I mean, I was just like, <laughs> I don't feel comfortable usually just sharing my life online. And like, that's... I'll never go so low to do Facebook stories. I think that's a disgusting, like, hey, man, medium. If they're linked, and that's going to help me grow this podcast for sure. This with this is the only like this is the first time I've really kind of just ventured out into the social media space and being like, this is who I am, because I see those people on Instagram. Have you seen like, so I like your Instagram name, Pills and Poles, right? Mm-hmm. But then you see like other medical, um, 
students and say pharmacy students doing something that I'm doing with like overdose, but they're like caffeinated and and smiles, smiles, patience and pushups, and it's always like it's always blank profession and caffeine, generic caffeine or generic like uh, emotion. Yeah, <laughs> happiness and medicine. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, why why can't we just pick one thing? Like why can't we? Let's just. <laughs> That's just that's a side rant. Anyway, so go I go ahead. on. I post a uh, like a long story rant. I call them like mental health rants. I think I worded it after like the first time. Just something that I felt like I should have put out there that I feel like everyone thought, but no one really thought. Other people thought. Not that I'm like progressive or leader. No, just, just no. kind of like saying something. People can be like, all right, cool. Someone else is thinking that. Like someone else is thinking that. Like these things about mental health. I really just like to say things that when I was struggling with my own mental health, like growing up, that I would have appreciated to hear that someone who was in like a darker spot would be like, okay, wait, I resonate with that. Just little things that like, yeah, you know, depression may stem from just being sad, but it's not always just, oh, I feel down today. It's like all these crippling things that you didn't really suspect without like intense like Googling or hearing it from like friends, you know, sometimes you just don't even want to do that. Yeah. It's a lot of effort. No, and that's I think it's been very beneficial for people, and that's kind of, again, why I started. I It's encouraged me to do this mental health series, and I think a main thing of this podcast is going to be talking about mental health and just getting it more exposed. Because I think, again, like you said, it's very much lacking. Mm-hmm. It's still stigmatized, which is what causes people not to be comfortable talking right. about it. And I think that's why a lot of people find what you're doing respectful and yeah. just, you know, relatable. And you said a few things in there. You said, um, like, when you first... We're experiencing mental health. This is kind of the stuff you wish you heard. When did you first experience mental health issues? And then when did you realize it was actually a mental health issue and not just like, oh, I'm just having a bad day? So um, I always I always knew something was off, but um, I feel like it could have extended to middle school. And I was, I would just sit there and I was like, you know, like I don't feel right. I don't fit right. I would find myself like, changing my mood or attitude depending on the group I was around I would never feel like I was my own person I felt like I would just like dilute myself to whatever group I was in to kind of make myself work and oh I got you I mean I I feel like I feel like to a certain degree I've done that as well mm -hmm. um not I guess maybe not to maybe not to the extent I I would always kind of rationalize it as like oh different people like different things right right so I'm gonna you know talk about like having not like my own personality I felt and I would just sit there and there's a lot of dissociation between like myself and the situation I was in like I would be in like a horrible situation and just not feel like I was there or like people are talking to you and people are talking to you but you just say yeah you kind of get like this feeling where it's like you're kind of watching yourself like you're watching yourself through like this like screen and you're like oh like you step out of yourself which you're more well so okay so I don't mean to interrupt but like I was going through something similar, I think, for the first time, beginning of, like, P1 year, um, where I I don't necessarily felt like I stepped out of myself. I felt like I was a lot more in my own head to the point where I wasn't present. Right. Is that kind of what you're getting yeah, at? Yeah, no. It, I feel like everyone experiences their own mental health in different ways, but still have kind of root factors. So, like, middle school, everyone, I had just a lot of, you know, didn't feel like I was my own person, wasn't comfortable in my body, like, at all. I wouldn't, like... I would only wear certain shirts. Like it was like three different shirts I would rotate around because I hated like how my body was and I hated doing things like outside of my norms or I hated talking. I would just get like these 
horrible attacks about thinking about like doing something like panic attacks or panic panic attacks kind of but just just horrible like like god i can't i can't go to this room i can't do this i can't imagine sitting next to this person who's doing this like a cycle kind of like a, a cycle this kind is gonna of like be that. the and worst possible situation i didn't really think that was depression i just thought you know you're a teenager going through puberty like what teenager likes his body going through puberty let what person is comfortable in their own skin kind of thing so i never really chalked that up to depression i just thought hormones and puberty and all that jazz around high school i think i it, like evolved more into just thoughts of like not always thoughts of taking my own life more of just thoughts of you know if i went to bed and i didn't wake up tomorrow that would be fine yeah or like damn if i passed out from this nap and didn't get up that'd be really cool did like, you so it sounds like there was kind of like a a, t- a change in time where you were like oh other kids are going through this or it wasn't even going through your head that like some other people might be going through this in middle school but then when you hit high school was there that realization i guess when what did it take you um when did you realize like oh this is kind of an, an actual mental health problem and i sh- and th- it's different from my peers i had a i had a breakdown in high school i think when i just kind of like fell apart and i talked to my mom and i said you know like i'm not I'm not happy. I don't laugh. I don't feel a part of anything. And, you know, it's it's hard for my mom. You know, she's a single parent. She's raised me, like, from ground up, from, like, nothing. So it's hard for her to hear that. And I feel like a lot of... Because then she feels like she's failed as a parent or right. something and like that. Right, and a lot of... It's, it's a generational thing. Like, people above our generation didn't really talk about mental health. They didn't say they were depressed. Like, depressed for them was kind of like, oh, you know, I've had a bad day. Not, like chemical imbalance that cause you not want to exist or do anything so telling a parent that you're depressed when that parent's given everything in the world they can for you just kind of feels like a slap in the face for them but like they don't know what to do so she didn't brush it off mind you like my mom has never been someone that's, that's like awesome. pushed away my mental health. but she just kind of said you know let's go outside more like she didn't know how to talk about yeah. it and well, my and- mom's never been someone to talk about like deep emotions like she's she's expressed her feelings towards me but it's never been like Let's sit down and talk. It's always been like focus on your work, focus on school, get through, get through. So it's always just been a very, a very gray like uh, field. So I had that breakdown in high school, and then college, I knew something was wrong. I knew I was depressed. I knew I was suicidal. Like I would have people that would like um, look out for me. I was in a relationship earlier in college, and she would just kind of point out, she's like, "This isn't right. You need to talk to someone." Kind of thing. So did did um your partner at that time actually? Um, experience um, yeah. same similar well and I think she, in college mm-hmm. man that's like that's when I found out I'm like oh every girl's on antidepressants what that right. wasn't even a part of my family I didn't even know that was a thing yeah it was How college I think was a good experience to just realize like there are people like me because it was never taught like mental health was never even a word I knew in high school well, at and all. exactly well and so it, just speaking back to the point about your kind of your mom kind of accepting it like not really knowing what to do and I think I think a lot of times, maybe maybe as like a teenager, if you're going through that, like some might feel like, oh, they're just not trying to help me. Um, I think, honestly, I think in my family, like I've had some family members who probably have experienced like mental health, yeah, you know, breakdowns and mm-hmm. cries out, cry, cries for help, and it probably was disregarded both by me because I was naive, and both by my like my my mom mm-hmm. because it was not something she was ever used to. She's always she was again very hardworking single mom, four kids always kind of just um suck it up move on kind of thing and she wouldn't even know what to do which i think it was easier for her to kind of brush off but i think it's important for if say you're experiencing right now and if you're listening like 
if you're even younger, like your parents probably don't know what to do. And that's not on them to, you know, you should not blame them for not knowing. You should, you should, you would be justified if they weren't seeking the help that they thought you needed. But if they just kind of brush it off, then, then, I mean, you're justified. And it sounded like what your mom did was like, she was like, okay, let's talk about it. Like, I'll, I'll give it my best, you know, give it a good college try. Right. Yeah. It was just more of just her saying, you know, maybe just in a bad spot right now. Like, let's, maybe it's just, you're probably having a bad day. So I, College, I think it evolved into something that was, like, the peak for me. Like, instead of addressing problems, I would have thoughts to myself and be like, yo, you know, if I jumped off this building, I wouldn't have to deal with the situation I'm in. Or if I just, like, pushed myself out this window, I wouldn't have to work on this or I wouldn't have to talk about this or kind of like things. So it was just every every option I was faced, there was always that ultimatum of just, you know, just stop. And that was that was heavy for a while. That really weighed on me. So, and just to just to clarify, so you weren't on any medication at all? No, I was like, not on any was medication. Was that even an option? It, it what, the only way it could have been an option, I felt, if I talked to my mom about it. And for me, I was just never, I I addressed to myself. Yeah, you you have depression, but it was always just make this your own battle. Don't bring your mom into it, kind of thing. She's dealing with enough. Like she she is depressed. Yeah. I feel so. You know, try to push through and it was very just toxic in myself so my breaking point was senior year and my my um my girlfriend at the time was very just pushing me she's like you have to talk to you, you have to do something I was very just no no this is my own fight I don't want to do it I don't want to talk about anyone like kind of thing I I don't know where that stemmed from I felt like you know growing up without a dad you just kind of had to be like the the man yourself hey, sorry. No <laughs> you dad have to be point. the man to yourself so it's always just fight your own battles kind of quiet I don't know what it was. Well, you but think you think like I've gone back and forth about this, and I honestly think because I wasn't raised with a father that I'm much more comfortable not going with that mentality. Not like you got to handle things yourself, but like I think I didn't have that encouragement to you know that toxic masculinity. Blah mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah blah blah. I didn't you know. I felt like for me it was like if you have a problem, go find somebody who knows how to fix it, not right. to handle yourself. So that, w- that's what's interesting with like. That's what interests me the most about you is what I wanted to talk about, too, is, like, you, you seem to go very, I can solve this myself, whereas your girlfriend at the time was pushing you to go seek help. Right. So it was a very, like, clash of minds kind of thing. She she studies, like, now she studies, like, behavioral therapy, and she's very, like, like oh, counseling good. and, like, yeah, counseling and just, like, speaking about things, like, behavioral therapy. And for me, like, I was, I was just the science, like, strict, like, facts, like, I have a chemical imbalance. Like, this is nothing that counseling can fix, blah, blah, blah. Like, I need medication, but I can't bring up medication because I don't have to talk to my mom and make this her fight, too, rather than saying, you know, let's push through it until we can get our own plan set us. I was literally, I was thinking, like, all right, when I turn 26 and I'm on my own health insurance, that's when I'll get medication. You're thinking that long term. That You're long like, term. 26, I'll last. 26, I I'll get there. I did not think it was going to last. Good God. But, um, no, I had a, my, my, my peak was uh, fall or spring semester. I had like the worst day of my life. Like I woke up feeling spring like, semester senior year. Spring spring semester senior year. Yeah, I just woke up like just awful. Like I I couldn't get up. I couldn't do anything. And I was in lab and I couldn't focus. And I I walked out of my like lab. It was like a practical. I just laid sat down on the bathroom floor like crying and screaming. I had no idea what was going on, but I just knew that like it you wasn't heard. right. I couldn't I couldn't make it through. Did you um were you experiencing besides like kind of like psychological not psychological symptoms, I shouldn't say like that but like just a mental breakdown where you're experiencing physical symptoms too like yeah like I outside like hurt 
to be out there. It hurts to like be exposed to people. It hurts to like like I felt like a pain like being around like a big group or talking to everyone. Damn, like an internal pain or like kind of like just like because I, I got stomach un- bits. like un- uncomfortable like to the point of just like oh this gotcha. is horrible. I got to get out of here. Like fight yeah. or flight kind of like I am not safe here. Yeah. This is not safe. Got it was it. like that. So I was like, I was like, fuck, dude. Like I can't, I can't go to pharmacy school if I get in and deal with this. So hey, I, but you're in. <laughs> so I just, I wrote like this, like, like one page, like long essay. Like my mom and I, um, we communicate through Facebook Messenger because she refuses to learn how to text. So I <laughs> okay. sent, I sent a one page like Facebook Messenger like thing over with my mom. I said, you know. I, I, we've talked about this like when I was 18, but I, I need to talk to my doctor. I need medication. I can't do this. Like I can't go to pharmacy school. I don't, I do not want to have to deal with this in a completely new setting. I like, I don't trust myself. I don't know if I'll do be okay. She said, all right, well she, <laughs> and like, I was crying when <laughs> she just, I, she just said, all right, like one word. All right. You know, I was, <laughs> all right, cool. I was crying when I sent this, I was on Snapchat, like bawling my eyes out because like, I didn't, I, this was so new to me. Like it was my mental health coming out to my mom and I was crying and she's like yeah no we'll talk we'll talk to your doctor about this just wait until spring break when you can come home and oh. it was the craziest thing in the world because something that I had been terrified of talking to my mom about for four to five years was just yeah okay cool and, and you're it was, like it was done yeah and then I, it was addressed so I didn't know what to, I was just crying out of happiness out of just like shock just shock and just complete like those five years of just pain and just confusion and anger just were done in like one Facebook messages. So <laughs> one, yeah. one, one page long, one, one page, page yeah. Facebook message. So I was on, I was diagnosed with depression. I was put on sertraline, uh, 50 milligrams, uh, once a day. And I, I felt better ever since I felt, I felt, um, I felt like I did my part and I felt like the medications take part. Uh, we don't really know a lot about mental health, uh, mental like psycho- psychotic medications. Oh my god, it's so, so awesome! It may be a lot of placebo, honestly, but no, it's, but still, it's, it's it's effective. Yeah, but a lot of it in the beginning was probably placebo. Just knowing, I'm on a medication that's helping me. I did something. Yay! Yeah. So well, that there's was... there's satisfaction in getting a name to what the hell you've been struggling with that you haven't had a name for in five years, and that's, I think. I don't know. It sounds. It sounds. I don't know. It's really cool that you were able to like go through that for all five years and then handle it yourself and then still like for the, to a large degree by yourself. Like even were you still with your girlfriend at the time when you told your mom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so she, she was. She was, she was very was supportive helping. of it. Yeah. And I feel like you do need that support network. Like yeah. As much as people, as much as you were able to like handle it yourself, handling it yourself wasn't necessarily the the easiest. It's, I think that just really stemmed from growing up. I was just kind of like a very loner kind of I wasn't like I wasn't bullied or anything like I was I was a nerdy kid obviously like I had braces I was like skinny as hell all of us in never come, school yeah no I was, I was I was nerdy I was like I wasn't bullied because of it but I just never felt like I fit in so it was a lot of just being by myself going online playing video games talking to people online kind of thing so it was it was never like these people like around it was always just these people around me don't get me like I only understand me because I only understand all this stuff I've been through like what's talking to some random person gonna help me you know, and mm. I still, I still have like thoughts like that, but it's it's the better to just push out and just talk to random people, yeah, like professional people about it. Yeah, no, definitely, and I I think we touched on a lot of the things I wanted to cover. Um, so I guess how did, um, 
so it took it sounds like what it took for you to accept that you're going through something that was like you know more common than you originally thought was like mm-hmm. going to college and just right. seeing like everyone else is kind of going through this um did you what happened when you first kind of put a name to it as far as researching it online because you said you're online you said you're kind of by yourself i'm sure you're searching up some of these things i weirdly yes enough no? i have no memories of like searching like am i depressed it no was always way. just really? i knew i knew like i knew when I was sitting, like, laying in my bed, like, refusing to get up, or it would be, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I would just wake up. I was like, I'm, I'm depressed. This is what depression this, is. This is, de- this is what depression looks like. like, like the, that's the ball and chain. School, I would see, like, those anti-depression commercials. I'm like, that's me. That's me right there with the ball and chain or the blue thing on the show. That's me. <laughs> the shadow that you yeah, could, like, that's, jump that into. Yeah, that's me right there. So it was like, wow. it's never something I need to research. It's like, I always knew, but it's like, to get someone to formally diagnose you, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's you. You know, <laughs> did you use that analogy when you went to the doctors? You know that blue guy that follows around that person, stupid commercial. I'm the, no, I'm I the was, chain. I was crying when I talked to my doctor, and it's funny because he's my best friend's dad. I live in a very small town. So, where are you from? I'm from Crisfield, Maryland. It's uh, very, very small. It's 30 minutes from Virginia. So, mm. but so my best friend's dad is my uh, PCP uh, so primary bad. care. Yeah. So also kind of uh oh, like it, it. It felt odd in the beginning, but it was nice knowing that someone that he didn't apply his own familiar bonds would be to the it was very professional setting he was like how long has this gone have you had thoughts of killing yourself like have you planned very professional very just okay well let's talk about what i think we should do kind of management and i i felt very just safe there i was still crying but i felt safe so that's when you went back over spring break you went to go see him right and then he started you on sertraline 50 mm-hmm. it's and a then, typical dose for a uh, male yeah starting um and I mean that's depending. I, I know they have a bunch of like scales now. At least when I went through it, like I think um, I think I started on fifty, and then I went to a hundred, mm-hmm. and then I jumped back to fifty. Um, because I I don't know. I'm trying to from parental encouragement and still my own you know naive naive stupidity, whatever you want to call it. I'm still not a hundred percent comfortable being on antidepressants, mm-hmm. and I think that might just be. That I don't know how much that is like societal pressure or that how much that's just me like wanting my brain to function the way right. I want it to function, and I mean how much you need it because you can come off it. You can. Yeah, you can. You, you got to do it very carefully. Mm-hmm. Don't just stop. Yeah, you have to taper. Yeah, but um. So speaking in line with medication, you you weren't averse to medication. Like you were like, all right, let's no, I've always. I didn't see medication as a bad thing. I kind of felt it as my brain doesn't function right i'm missing a part and so what do you do when you're missing a part you go to home depot you get something that helps you put the part back in so this is all that was you get yourself a pharmacist and then you yeah you get you get the medication and then at home depot yeah yeah (laughs) okay you get your medication and then you function better you're not broken you're just kind of missing an important piece so you have to function a little different so that's what the medication was to fix that i'm not functioning in the right way your experience was very different than mine, right. which is cool. Like, it sounds like like you just had, like, a very, like, all right, if, like, you, you solved it like a pharmacist. You're like, hey, this is the problem. I'm going to fix it with this. Mm-hmm. Um, here are the steps I need to take. And it, it's interesting that you were kind of aware of what you needed to do without researching it online, without, uh, you know what I mean, like, without 
any of that knowledge, it all sounded like it came from your girlfriend. That was like the kind of she she really gave me a good look at it. I think it was more just reflecting back on myself. I you know I had like my stereotypical emo phase where it's like yeah. like you're broken, you're scarred kind of thing. So it was looking yeah rise again MCR all oh, that. Oh my god, that song still is that band still good. But what I'm saying is like looking back at myself and seeing the difference and just I was in a bad I was in a bad time there. And so what what was toxic about that setting? I was in? what was toxic about about saying, you know, I'm broken, like that self-loathing I had, like that was a very like dark time. So look at it a different spectrum. Don't look at it as you're broken. Look at it as just I operate a little differently. So exactly. So and I feel like a lot of times it's once you're in a depressed state, it's so easy to go into that like cycle of hell, I think is what mm-hmm. I've heard it been called or like the loop of hell. It's just I'm bad, which means there's something wrong with me, which means because there's something wrong with me, I'm bad. So why am I bad now? Oh, because I'm messed up. Right. But I'm messed up and broken because I don't have this piece. Oh, I don't have this. Like, that makes me different. Yeah. And it's literally just like you find the next reason, but then you get sucked into that loop of why. Yeah. But sometimes there's not a good answer why. It's just that's you are got a missing piece. Mm-hmm. People who end up not doing but like well or end up not seeking the help they need is because they're so focused on the why they're not focused they're they're not they can't focus on the how do i get better or they can't they believe they're so right in the i'm wrong that they don't listen to the advice of others or medical professionals it's so hard to pull yourself out of that pit that's why you need somebody that's why you need somebody i i was lucky in the way that mine would just show up in very like short waves where I would still have my bad days where I was low and very in that self-loathing ring but I would wa- it would wash away to like I was okay the next day I could function the next day you know I a lot of people have had symptoms worse than mine and it's it's so hard to pull yourself up and be like and I think it was I had that dissociation where I could pull myself out of a situation pull myself away from myself and say all right, look at it like this. And a lot of people don't have that. So that's been my savings grace, I guess. How did you do that? How did you get to that point? Was Just always being alone, I yeah. think. Just always sitting in a place where you're never comfortable and just reading other things and just trying to push time away. I was always just by myself overanalyzing things. So I feel like that's just something that I unfortunately grew with. Yeah. 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 Well, how do you think being alone and overanalyzing, and then it sounds like you solved your problem yourself, which is crazy. How do you think having those mental health issues at a time while you're overanalyzing, how do you think that's impacted your interactions with significant others, friends, people in your life? I think let's just start with like, because you did a rant, a mental health rant about toxic relationships. How do you think it's kind of impacted your relationships with people? With people, I just... I always feel like people that have depression are always the first ones to try to make everyone laugh or happy. And not that it's like, oh, the funniest people are always depressed, which... No, it's a, it's a, it's a coping mechanism. People but... see that, but I think it's just more like you're so uncomfortable that you're like, all right, well, if I make people laugh, like this will make time go by fast. You know, like, ha ha, we're, th- we're not sitting there quiet. We're not staring at how weird I look in this room. We're not looking at all the flaws in me. Ha ha, we're all laughing. So that was that was my idea, just... If I make people laugh, they won't realize how wrong it is for me to be here in is, this group. Is this a self-analysis of how you're behaving before, or did you realize that at the time when you are in middle school doing these things? A middle like, school, I have no idea. I think that was a completely different Brad. You were just like, you were just I like, don't even identify with him anymore. I, but I do think it was just be funny so, pe- so you have a place in this group you're in so you're not ostracized anymore. Got it. And so, 
Yeah, you're I the feel funny like people... guys. <laughs> so you're the funny guy, so you weren't like Maybe that's why you weren't bullied, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I was It's funny, I was a class clown. Yeah. I I was too I was too nerdy to be the class clown. People were just kind of Oh, there's Brad. <laughs> oh, that's Brad. <laughs> there, there's there's Bradley. Let's I was just like the the class nerd, like overachiever. It was like Oh, he's gonna crack one day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I was that was the head case, I think, in middle school. Uh, whatever. But so I guess how did how did going through that mental health and be, maybe being the funny guy, how did that impact your relationship? Or like I guess so that was probably a positive thing, being funny, always talking to find. Oh, yeah, like trying to try to I think it was just you had to put on an act with people and that made it kind of difficult. Like when you leave school and the curtain quote unquote goes down and you're at home, like people kind of still expect that of you like they'll be like hey let's go out and do this thing and you just kind of like oh i'm sorry i can't go out because i hate myself ha huh? or <laughs> things I... like that like you're you can't move <laughs> you're yeah you're battling with two different people the person you are like when you're in a group and who you really are like behind this mask kind of thing so that that was really difficult and i had a few friends that understood it but they were high school friends so it was difficult for them to think yeah like Oh, if you're like, I don't get if you're depressed, just be happy. Oh, yeah, that's how it works. Like, duh. No, yeah, because but, we didn't know. Dude. No, we didn't know. We didn't know, know back in the we, day. We didn't know. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> like I'll just day. smile some more. You know, so it was, it was really. Hey, just tell another joke. Oh, I don't want to hear about you being bummed out at home. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, you got another joke, Brad? No? Yeah. Sick. I'm going to go eat lunch. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was that. And that really came out in college. Like, Come with a knock knock joke if you're trying to sue with us. <laughs> I would try so hard to just see, like, oh, there's a group of cool people. Like, let me just, let me go make a joke and then I'll like blend in with those cool people. But mm-hmm. no, it would, it would be horrible. It was very cringy. So. <laughs> it's very cringy. Oh no, it was horrible. Flash, it was very cringy. Yeah, no. Flashbacks. Freshman year, Bradley was you got a, horrible. You got a, you got a, you got an example. I would love to hear. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't really have a specific example. It was just kind of like because you probably black out in those moments. You're probably yeah. Not you really you black out. You just, you just think like, all right, like I'm gonna try to like blend in with these people, but it didn't work. Could you always tell? Like, okay, so when you're, I've always had this battle of like, how much of this is in my head? Like, this is awkward because mm-hmm. obviously when you're in that state, things get conflated. Or how much of it is like, oh, that was really awkward. Because you can, like, how much, I guess in those instances, how much do you think now was it actually weird? Or was it um, you thinking it was just weird? I think it was all. And nobody else really cared. They're like, I think oh, it was overanalyzing. Right. So I would make what I thought was a joke and no one would laugh and I would hate myself I'm for the, the rest of the person. <laughs> yeah, no, I would like. I can't tell jokes. I would look around. No one would laugh. People would look weird. I, someone would shift their foot and my brain automatically thought, well, they hate you. That has to be about me. Yeah, that has to be about me kind of thing. Toenail. So, <laughs> yeah. So it was, just, it was, it was overanalyzing and that was my coping mechanism. Like, okay, if I make people laugh, like I'll be comfortable. If they didn't laugh, well, then it means they hate me and I should hate me too. How do you think your um, mental health issues and just your going through all of that impacted your relationships with your um, your mom? It was before you told her. Before I told her, it was hard. It was really hard because you can't say, "Yeah, I've just had bad days." Because what what do you say with that? They're like, "Oh, well, what's wrong?" Like my mom has always been very focused on my grades and my schoolwork, so she'll be like, "How are your grades?" Like. Yeah, you've not. Had, how are you? How are your grades? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I she meant how are you, but really what she said and what she worried about was my grades because yeah. she was paying for college, so she doesn't want to see like, like, oh, you're sad. Like the why if your grades are failing because you're sad, like what are you going to do? Kind of thing. It's because you're. It's because of this. Because of this. She liked to find a solution, a solution, and just yeah. tack that on me, which That's wasn't anyone, mom. which wasn't bad. It was just it wasn't working. And it's the way she operates, and it's right. the way they're used to. They're like, oh, it like so. This is wrong. Let's mm-hmm. just fix it. 
Let's so just it was fix it. It was making sure like I could, she could talk about it and push me through. And I was just kind of like, don't bring up that you want to kill yourself. Just say, yeah, I just had a bad day, and sh- and be like, but it's because of this, blah blah blah. So I'll be fine the next day, and it'd be okay. But then it was just after telling mom, she would always address and be like, have you taken your medication today? How are you today? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And when I started taking the medication, she says, I want you to tell me every day how you are and how the medication makes you feel if you have any adverse Aww. effects. So it sounds like she's like, and she's understanding, was she with, it sounds like she's understanding that like, oh, there's a better way to ask how I'm feeling. Like, it was, better. she knew that my family's very anti-medicine, anti-doctor, uh, just yes. not for, <laughs> not for like a bad, like they don't trust me. It's just kind of like, we don't have time to be with doctors or be, we don't have time to be sick. We don't have time to be sad. Yeah, I didn't miss a sick. I, if I was sick, dude, my mom was like, "Get to school. I don't want anybody calling yeah, my office. My mom never you believed that. You get on that bus like and dying. you sneeze on everyone else. Don't. Yeah. If you do it here, you're gonna get three other people sick, and I can't afford a doctor's office. Right. Here's your lunch. <laughs> I was like, "Mom, I love you. Thanks." <laughs> so, it was. It was just the we don't have time for that kind of thing. So, the antidepressants kind of scared them because we had just family stories of antidepressants that they thought was just. That's not that's not for you. That's not what you need. You need something else. Maybe you need a counselor. Well, I'm like, no, no. So it, it was a rough relationship with mom, just hiding stuff. You know, you never want to hide things from your parents. No. And it would just it would evolve into more like I would just hide other things from my mom because I'm already hiding this part of my life. Like, let me hide other parts of my life, blah, blah, blah. Or let me do this. So it, it created kind of like a barrier between us, I believe. Nothing like bad, but just I noticed there was something there was like a block between my mom and I, and you know, she's been my best friend growing up, so it was it was rough. Yeah. Do you think that wall has been taken down like almost entirely? With- I think so. I've tried yeah. to, because I built it myself, so I'm trying to take that down yeah. myself too. I think a lot of people don't make that distinction again that like you going through your depression is a catalyst for you breaking off relationships with potentially people you would honestly love if you mm-hmm. were not if you're not going through that. It's knowing um, it's knowing yourself, like knowing how you work with people being very open and honest about it. I think that's the biggest thing with relationships is that you're not a bad fit for relationships at all. It's just you have to understand how you work with people. You have to you have to be very open and work with people. And I think the biggest flaw, the biggest problem that people come with mental health that are in relationships is that they become so distant and thought to themselves that they don't address their partner's like thoughts or needs. And that was, I think, a big strain in my last relationship was just I was always so focused on myself and my needs yeah. because I've always been that very solo thinking to myself, very overanalyzed person. And now you have somebody to share it with and you're like, oh, now I can finally share this with someone so I'm going to just unload all this baggage. But not even that sometimes. Just like, like, all right, well, I don't want to tell everything because then they're going to think about that or then they're not going to see me. They're going to see my like depression. They're not going to see the boyfriend. They're going to see and then it And then skip. it equates to kind of like, oh, he's hiding things. But like, no, that's just me thinking you don't want to. Yeah, no, you assume. You don't want to be the person that the your significant other is afraid to leave because of your mental health. You don't want them to think, well, I can't leave them because what will happen if I leave them kind of thing. And that's when a relationship becomes toxic. And that's when it's bad when they think. I can't. I when someone's not comfortable leaving because they're afraid of their, the partner's mental health. That's when it's bad. And that's when you're like. That's what I. That's was when you need to cut it. Of. Yeah. That's when you need to cut it too. Is like if 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 you find out that that is the only reason. Like, there may be other reasons, but if that even comes into the picture, I think that needs to be either addressed immediately through you guys t- sitting down and talking through it, and you actually not assuming that your partner knows what you're thinking right. about. I think that's the key to making a relationship last with somebody with sort of mental health issues is not assuming that what you tell them will be interpreted a certain way. Yeah, you I have think it's... communication 100%. Like, 
on both parties. Like, it sounds cheesy, but like that's. I think it's really hard to communicate when you're overanalyzing and you're predicting and you're you're making it mathematical rather than just a human interaction. Right. You're you're taking out your significant other, which is the whole point of being in a relationship, is incorporating them in your thoughts and your decisions. But to a certain extent, you can't expect them to always be there 100% when you're trying to unload a lot of your baggage. Right. right. They got to they got to have self care and they got to be able to. You need to be comfortable with them telling you, hey, I need a minute. Like, this is stressing me out. Yeah. I need to go in the other room and chill. People with mental health illnesses, I feel, always just are the type of people that want to bottle things up because they don't want to talk to other people about because they know other people aren't going to think of it this way they are. So I'm a- unique. I'm special. This is only me going through this. That no. and just, well, <laughs> I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to stress them out with this. or They're not going to understand like what I'm talking about, blah, blah, blah. So... When you have two people in a relationship that both have mental health illnesses, it's just these two bottles that just keep shaking until one explodes. And then one's shaking. Like, it's almost like you're waiting to see who's going to burst first. Yeah, like you but both it's in a situation know. that, like, it's an environment that doesn't make sense. So I'll have a breakdown in the middle of a Walmart. And is this like, a personal story? No, like, just an example. I, I, oh, okay. <laughs> mine always happened, like, late at night. It's like 2 a.m. I would, like, just. In a Walmart, screaming and crying like on my on my bed. Oh, okay, in a Walmart, but no, not in a Walmart. Walmart, Walmart kicked me out because of that. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) But it was just you're in this you're in an environment that doesn't make sense for you to have a breakdown, and then that's even more scary because you're not in a safe place, and your partner doesn't understand what's going on because you're screaming about. I didn't do well that one day three weeks ago, or uh, Scott looked at me odd the other day, and I realized he doesn't like me, and I have to work with him. This kind of thing, so it's like nothing makes sense. So, the soon as something is a problem. You have to address it and make sure that the answer that you're giving and what you're hearing is something that makes 100% sense to you. You have to keep going over it. And that's rough. No one wants to do that. Well, and it's really hard to do by yourself, Brad, exactly. which is why it's kind of nuts that you were able to do what you did and, like, figure it out pretty much. I mean, I'm still – I'm – I don't. I may. I don't know about made it through. I'm. I'm here. You're dealing with it. I mean, yeah. you're you're managing it, and I think that's – understanding that managing it is the best option for you yeah. now – is better than you know having those freaking out at Walmart at two in the morning on a bed, kind of yeah. <laughs> Talking about Scott's toenail that looked at you funny that moved when you told that joke in high school that wasn't yeah, funny. Wasn't funny at all. Yeah. If you're listening, if that was your foot, don't you move your foot ever again when Brad tells a joke. All right. So it's it's, the, it's just communication is important, and I didn't realize that my partner realized that she she knew that, but I didn't. So it was it was my blunder on my side. So I've really taken myself to really just be open and communicating as much as I can at least work on that and I think that's made me I don't know I've always been comfortable with talking about my mental health and stuff because I've been uncomfortable with my body and everything for so long that I'm like you know what what does it matter to talk about mental health like what does it matter to talk about this like just talk about like it's it's you it's I've always just been a very like free idea thinking like it's just you it's your mental health like if someone judged you for your mental health and that's that's on their their side you know nothing is going to change if you don't talk about it if you're not comfortable talking about it you can't expect change so I'll talk like on my rants about my depression or my like that I wanted to kill myself or the days where I just don't feel like getting up or having breakdowns because it's triggering for some people and I realize that and I try to like put PSAs out there but if you you need to be comfortable you need to be comfortable talking about that if you want to hear if you want to hear about those stories if you want to be real and just work with people on their darkest thing because depression isn't just sad it's i have no interest in doing anything anymore i have 
no reason to get up out of bed. I'm going to stare at this clock or stare at Facebook for four hours, even though I don't care what I'm staring at. Or you're going to cut out a pair of sweet-looking lungs for one of our healthcare projects. And I'm, make yeah, it I'm going to spend five hours working on the same project because I can't. there's nothing in my brain that matters more than just doing something else for five hours. This is the one time you felt motivation, so do it forever. Kind of thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. So cling on to that, like cling on of... to the happiest you've ever been, and then just when it's over, you feel this like just drained, drain, and just like, well, that's it. That's all you can do. Yeah. So that's depression is just this very like complex thing that I feel that the reason I put it as a mental health rant, not depression rant, is because depression I've always felt is very comorbid with a lot of mental health. So I can't address anxiety. I can't address schizophrenia. I can't address those things, but I can address depression. And I feel like a lot of people that have mental illnesses have depression. So maybe one step at a time. Yeah. I felt. Well, and I think, I think what's interesting is because what's funny is, uh, spoiler alert, I thought I was schizophrenic Mm -hmm. when I was going through my mental health because I had never experienced it before when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what it was. My upbringing was fix your own problems. So the second my brain flipped on itself, because that's basically what it does. You turn into your own worst nightmare. Like right. you, It's like your brain is trying to solve the problem that it itself is causing, which it can't without the thing that it's missing. Right. And then you thinking about it is going to make it a lot worse, which uh, I'm a lot of people who, <laughs> to my own horn here, I'm kind of smart sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think smarter people do have more anxiety, have more depression. And I think a lot of that's bottled up together in a way that it's hard to identify what you might have. And you do the thing I did, which you didn't, which saved you probably a lot of grief. You search, what is, uh, I'm having trouble thinking about stuff, and I'm sad. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're schizophrenic, you also have AIDS. And I'm like, I have AIDS, I'm going to go to my doctor. (laughs) I have the worst possible thing. And then I bring that up, and they're like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, you overanalyze. Well, and I thought thought it was a lot of social anxiety. So I think it's hard. I think I, I refer to mental health as an umbrella because... Everything can tie and lead to another. Like you feeling not comfortable in your skin, social anxiety, or is that depression? Or is it a combination? Or is it, you know what I mean? Like I think it's a lot of overlap. And I think, again, talking to your doctor and talking to your pharmacist, wink, wink, your depressed pharmacist who's probably depressed on antidepressants or on some sort of medication to keep them sane because let's face it, we're working as hard as we possibly can on a daily basis. We're not pharmacists. We're, We're just students. Yeah, but we're, I mean, we will be. <laughs> it's pushing it. Yeah, you're right. We'll see if we can make it through. We'll see if we'll see if we can last. Anyway, um, I think it's a lot of things, and I think you knowing you knowing what you were dealing with is good, and being able to speak specifically to one. Ideally, I guess it's a disease, right? I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's, it's a disease, disorder. Yeah. Is it a disease disorder? I don't know. I'm a pharmacy always, student. Somebody correct me. Disease is disease is always a word that people are afraid to use, but I feel like anything that makes you function not to normal or operational standards is a disease. Yeah. So I I would say disease. Like I, regularly. Like that's a disease. Yeah. It's a chronic disease. It's a chronic yeah. condition. Um and it's not that's not to say you can't have, you know, depressive episodes. Like it's not to say you can't go through a time in your life that you're really down. Mm-hmm. You might not be clinically depressed, but you might be depressed in that moment. Right. And that's the distinction that you can't make yourself. Don't look online. Again, <laughs> it'll really skew what YouTube videos are recommended to you. And then when you pull them up in class, you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, shit. Ted Talks on mental disorders. It (laughs) it messes up the algorithm. I do feel that uh, boards that talk about depression, like... Not helpful. Not helpful at times, but I felt like maybe something on Reddit would be nice to... Because those are are open, honest people. You're anonymous. You're behind a username, so you can just state whatever you want. Just 
knowing when to jump out of the rabbit hole before you go too deep, just seeing what other people are saying is always great because WebMD is nice, but that's not that's not a real person reading that to you. Like well, when they also hire people to write reviews, right? <laughs> so yeah, just a little tidbit. Okay, so we're kind of running out of time, but I want to touch on like last couple things. So with everything you've just said, how has it impacted your pharmacy school experience? And more importantly, how are you, like, we've kind of discussed how you're managing it. You're on medication. You're talking about it. You're on this podcast. Cool. I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. Um, I, I mean that with as much enthusiasm as possible. Not I sound rushed, but I really do appreciate yeah. you, like, talking and spending the time. Um, what do you think, I guess, how are you managing it? What's, like, the best mindset to have going into pharmacy school? Say if somebody is going through it right now, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say if some of the P1s, P2s, P3s, anybody going into pharmacy school are dealing with it what would you be your last piece of advice? That you don't know when you're going to have your next bad day, your next bad episode where you can't do anything. So every day that you wake up and you think today's an okay day, I can function, you do everything you can on those days. So that way when you have your bad days, you won't kick yourself for not being able to do anything. I feel like be comfortable knowing you'll have your bad breakdown days because that's how you work. And except some days you'll just have those days where you can't get up and do anything and just work hard on your good day. I don't think, I think the problem a lot is that people will beat themselves up on days where they have no control and then that'll keep them in that hole. But every little thing you can do, like I I put a reminder to make my bed and that's huge for me because I never make my bed. So I made my bed and I was like, all right, you know, I did something. I did one thing that I never do or make breakfast or, you know, align your shoes on the wall in a way it looks organized the little things add up in my mind so just be open to yourself do the little things you can to tell you you're in control not it's this is something that is in your control even when it feels out of control this is your body this is your life this is this is what you have um and then don't be hard on yourself it sounds like it's don't you got to be forgiving to yourself and it's really hard to do in that mental state but you it happens, man. You're going to have a bad day, period, yeah. any day. Yeah. But if you're going through and you're like, oh, I didn't make my bed today, even though that's the one thing you want to do. If you find something else that you can do. Yeah, go. Th- you're going to go to sleep. You can make it tomorrow. Like You can you can have your hard days. Like I, You have to be somewhat hard on yourself, but it's yeah. pulling yourself out of that self-loathing. When It's a very thin, great line, I think. So it's just the biggest thing that always stopped me from taking my own life was that all I've ever known with my person is that my life, like my being is the only thing that I truly have. So I would never want to take that away from myself. I, yeah, my life will have bad days, but this is the one thing I know I have. This is the one thing I know I can have some control and input in. So I want to take control of that as much as I can. And that may not be a coping for everyone, but that's always been my thought and idea. It's just, this is what I know I have. I don't know what's on the other side of whatever would happen, but I know what is happening right now, and I know this is something I control, and that is me, I felt. And that's what makes you you, man. You you are responsible for everything that happens, and it's, I, again, I think it's very powerful. Like, I don't think a lot of people can do that, again, which is why I think it's impressive, which is why you're on here and we're doing this, and it's cool, and we should definitely do it again more right. sometime. So, um I think with that, I think we're pretty much finished. Um, also, with what you were just saying, you're in control of you, so 
what do you kind of just give me a quick summary, sign out with anything you want to talk about. You're lifting, you're maybe trying to start the psych pharmacy club, maybe, you know what I mean? Like anything else that you want to like have people who are listening to this be aware of, how they can um, reach you if, th- if you're available. So my um, Instagram is pills and pulls. I'm thinking about starting one just for underscore, 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 underscore. Yeah. <laughs> you can just search Bradley Long. And I'll attach it in the show notes, whatever that is. I don't know. What, I'll, I'll figure that out. I just hear other podcasters. Yeah, that, y- so. You'll find me. I'm. I'm I'm pretty easy to find, but um, red leotard, really cool. <laughs> Sorry, dark times. <laughs> I still love that it's your profile, but it's, it's like, a good time. Yeah, but um, I want to make an Instagram or just a page just for those rants, just in case people don't want to see my me, just want to see the rants. So I I'll, don't think you have to keep it separate. Yeah, I, I agree with that actually. So I'll just put those up. I'll I'll just keep putting the rants. You'll see the little rainbow background. I like rainbow because the LGBT community is important to me. Yeah. Hey, perfect. So, yeah, with that, uh, thanks for tuning in, and we will do more episodes on mental health in the coming future. I think in the next episode I'll talk about my experience because it's very different from Brad's, but I think it's still beneficial. Um, <laughs> I mean, hopefully Ward will just give me a way to self-counsel. Um, I want a very different route. I want more counseling plus medication, but I think the counseling is what really benefited me the most, um, and I've talked to you about that. Yeah. So we'll... We'll do that, and um, do you want to do you want to do the sign off that what's I came up with? Off? What do you think it is? Have you been following the media? Have you been I try, following? The, I try, yeah, but it's what's, very difficult. what's what are my two? It's very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult to follow. My, <laughs> there's, no, there's very there's a lot of Instagram stories out there. You got oh, you got to stand out. All right, what's, what, just tell me what the sign off is. It's uh, stay healthy and don't overdose. Stay healthy and don't overdose. Yeah, and it's a little flexing arm. I'm so not you doing can, that. Oh come on, dude! I want. I actually no. I want to see. I want to see like the difference in arm size a little I'm bit. A hoodie. Well, I mean, we can go shirtless. The room's, the room's closed, dude. <laughs> you know what's gonna happen after this when I turn off the video camera we're about to compare biceps I'm gonna go home okay <laughs> we're gonna compare biceps alright stay healthy everybody don't overdose thanks for listening <laughs>